Hey, Bridgeway family. Uh, it's good to see you again that we had a beautiful and amazing Easter. So many people got a chance to engage with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're still kind of living in the afterglow of that. But we're going to get right back into the series that we had going on right before Easter, which was called Connecting with God. I'm going to be in the series in part 14, and I entitled today's message Irreparably Broken. Irreparably broken. 2020 is the year of connecting here at Bridgeway, and we've been talking about the importance of connecting both with God and connecting with each other. We're going to focus on that a little bit more later on in the year, but if we talk about the power of connection, we have to talk about the importance if there's disconnection. That's what I want to talk about a little bit today. If connecting means life and power and joy, what does disconnection mean? Well, if you're following along with us on the app, you can also grab and pull up some of the pages of notes or maybe even just take your own notes. I got to fill in the blank for you. And it's going to come off a little bit unusual because it sounds super dark, but I think you're going to enjoy today's message because I'm going to get into some of the deeper things of God and also show some of the exciting pieces of how Jesus has rescued us. So here's the fill in the blank if you're following along. It is this. Every week we've been talking about connection means this, connection means this, and it was life and power and peace and joy. Well, this week it's this. Disconnection means death. Disconnection means death. And I want to explain. You see, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ has died for the sins of his people. The good news is that Jesus is raised to life and he gives eternal life to his kids. The bad news is that we needed saving in the first place. You see, you can't have the good news of the gospel without understanding what the good news is fixing. So the bad news is that we needed saving in the first place. The bad news is that not everyone has given their life over to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and thus they are not living a life fully connected. If God is the only source of life, then what does disconnection from that mean? Well, obviously, that's what we're talking about today. It actually means death. So let me explain that once again. I'm not sure everybody was tracking with me. Here we go. Uh, God is the source of all life. God is the source of all life. He is not just the creator of the world and the sustainer of our world, but he is our reality. In him, all things hold together, the Bible says. Anything that we call alive has to have continual connection to the creator so that the source of that life is pouring in. He is the outlet, like an electrical outlet. God is the outlet where the life energy flows from. If we, no matter how brilliantly we are designed, if we are not plugged into that flow of energy, there is no life to our system. So when we think about death, death is the absence of life. If we are not connected to God, then there is an absence of true life. We look around and we see things alive and flourishing in our world, right? So we look at trees and animals and people, and we assume that they're just existing on their own. They're not. As a matter of fact, just know that God is keeping all of that alive by his presence. But there is another quality of life that we were built for. 
It is more than just existence. The Bible calls that eternal life. You've heard that phrase before, eternal life. Eternal life is not so much a quantity, meaning it's super long or it's forever, although it is that, but a quality. Every human being was born with the capacity to be plugged in to the source of life that is God. We were all born with a spiritual cord to connect to the divine. That cord allows all of our functions to turn on. Let me give you an example. We were built for so much more than simply existing, like a car that has an engine and it starts when you turn it on, but there's no ability to move the tires. The very purpose of the car, which is to drive around, is unrealized. And yet the majority of human beings go out to their car in their proverbial garage, start their car and just sit in it while it idles. Then at the end of the day, we shut it off and then we go to bed. The very purpose that we were designed for is missing. That we are not doing what we were built to do. So we weren't plugged in. Let me, let me explain where this all started from. When our forefather and mother, Adam and Eve, right, who had the best chance of doing the right thing, when they chose to do their own thing there in the Garden of Eden, they disconnected from God and they disconnected humanity from God. We are all disconnected because of what occurred there in the garden. They passed that reality of being unplugged from the Creator down to all of their lineage, that is all of humanity. You see, it's important to realize it is not a punishment to be born unplugged or spiritually dead. It is just a reality. We were born with cords, but our cords aren't connected to anything. God didn't do it to be mean. God's not angry about it. As a matter of fact, he never took the cords away. He's just waiting for us to be plugged in and to come alive. You see, the whole concept that we have cords and that someone is chasing us down, telling us to plug in, demonstrates that God's heart is for all of us to be plugged in, that we would all become who we were created to be. And that's only going to happen if we are connected through Jesus Christ. In our passage today that we're going to be studying back on series, it's in the book of Ephesians, Paul the Apostle is writing to the church in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey, and he's explaining to them this very concept. Now, he's going to use language that made more sense to his people in his time, so it may sound a little bit foreign to us, a little bit blunt to us, a little bit harsh to us, but really it's that same idea I just talked about. So let's begin to unpack Scripture together. If you have a Bible, can you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. So if you're going to have a Bible in front of you and you're not used to it, you can just drop it open in the middle. You go to the right. You're probably in the Old Testament somewhere. You don't even know that maybe yet, but you're going to go to the right and there's a bunch of books that your people's names that are bizarre. Then all of a sudden you're going to start seeing some normal ones. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, 
Acts, Romans, keep going. There's a bunch of little books in there and you're eventually gonna find Ephesians in there. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of time here. Ephesians chapter two, verse one. We're gonna be studying one through three and I'm just gonna read it to us to get a little bit of the context and then we'll go back through and tear it apart like we always do. All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter two, one through three. Paul says this, and you, meaning the church, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now that's pretty heavy. I think we might need to be praying about this. So here we go, let me just pray a little bit and then we're gonna tear it apart and I'll tell you exactly what it means and it should come out real simple by the time we're done. Let's just pray for the word. Heavenly Father, we lift up your word to you and that Jesus, you are alive and active in your word and Holy Spirit, you're helping us to sort it out. We just pray that through this passage of truth, your life would flow into us, our eyes would be opened, and we might be transformed. We give you all glory in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's get into this. Here we go, Ephesians chapter two, verse one, we'll back it up a little bit. It said this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in once you once walked. What does that mean? You were dead. It means you were unplugged. Remember, God is that outlet, that source of all life. To say that you were dead means that you were unplugged. You had the cord, it just wasn't connected. Why? Well, there's actually two reasons why we're unplugged. Number one, you and I were born that way. Human beings are born with cords, but they're not plugged in. Number two, you and I, by our decisions, have remained unplugged and making that choice every year we've been alive. Why? Well, let me explain. Theologians call this concept of being born unplugged, theologians call it original sin. This is a fancy word to say that it started back at the beginning. But here's the reality. The reality is, is that sin or the nature of being unplugged or that being spiritually dead is hereditary. We're born with it. No one fully knows how it all passes down from lineage to lineage. Nobody knows how it passes down from Adam and Eve all the way down to us. Well, really the two options are what? This, it's that maybe it was because when our parents sinned and got disconnected, we now inherit from them through that line. Or it could have been simply that God just unplugged all of humanity there in the Garden of Eden and we now need to be plugged back in through Jesus Christ. Nobody fully knows, but the point is, either way, it is kind of how we start life, and until we have Jesus, it's how we live life. So how bad is that condition of being unplugged? Well, the theologians call that, that term uh, depravity. And I know that sounds pretty rough and harsh, it just means that it's super deep. Let me give you an exp explanation. There's no way a lamp can plug itself in it is going to remain unplugged till someone with life in them 
plugs it in for them. It means that we are dead, dead until someone can make us alive. Another analogy, it's like somebody on the cart that has coded and they will remain dead unless someone comes in with the electricity through the paddles, paddles and says clear and brings them with that jolt back to life again because the heart is jarred and it comes alive. Depravity means that we are unplugged and will remain unplugged until somebody plugs us in. That's what Jesus wants to do for us today. But it was not like uh, that everything was only given to us. We've been confirming it. See, a lot of us, this is where we get into a defensive posture and we're like, wait a second, don't hold me accountable for something that my forefathers did so long ago, we can't even say how long ago. Don't tell me that I'm guilty based on something someone else did. Now, that probably, if that's you, you're coming from a very Western mindset where we all talk about us individually doing things right or wrong and standing on our own initiative. In most cultures of the world, it is viewed much more collectivistic or family-based that we are all in this together. We have a corporate identity, right? So this stuff made a lot more sense to the original readers and to many readers throughout the world today. But here in America and some of our Western European brothers and sisters, we struggle with this. Why am I held accountable for something other people did a long time ago? So let me just make it real clear. We've been confirming that failure choice every day of our lives. What Adam and Eve did, and they were our best shot, we would have done and have been doing every day. We sin or we do wrong things because we are broken inside. In other words, when we are broken originally, it's like the keel at the bottom of the ship is broken. And no matter how straight we try to steer, the ship is always going to go off direction. Why? Because there's something intrinsically wrong. So we can try and try and try and we can't stay on the straight and narrow. But even when we do have control, we choose to go off path. Why do we do that? Here's what sin really is. Maybe you've heard this phrase a lot of sin and you're like, what is this sin thing all about? Christians are so obsessed with this idea. Sin really is selfishness. Sin is, is that we're not a good person like we think we are because sin means that we have done something wrong. What did we do wrong? It's that we have failed to live for the right reason and we have failed to put God before ourselves. That's really what selfishness is. We are, what, supposed to do everything in our life for God, but we still want to just do our thing. Whenever we choose to do just our thing, that's selfishness. That is at the root of every bit of sin. A lot of us say things like, well, I've never done anything really bad. But how many of us can really say, I have lived my entire life from birth all the way through for the glory of God in every way? You see, we can't. That's why the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. That every one of us have unplugged ourselves if we weren't already unplugged. You see, we haven't been living for the Lord. And that's the whole reason why we are here. Let me, let me unpack it a little bit more. Notice that the phrase says, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. Now, 
I'm not gonna get into the Greek of those. All I'm gonna say is that biblically, there are two concepts that are used for sin. One of them is missing the mark or failure to live up to perfection. That's that whole idea of being unplugged from the beginning. The other concept of sin is trespass, where like you would walk up and see a sign on a fence and it says no trespassing, and you said, I clearly see the rule and I'm going to violate that rule. I'm going to step over that fence and do that which is wrong. So unintentional and intentional. These are the two different types of sin, missing the mark and trespassing. Now, here's what he said in here. He said, we also, we were in our sins, we were dead in our sins, quote, in which we once walked. What that means is it was our lifestyle, our lifestyle. Not only was our normal condition of being unplugged, but we have made it a choice, a habitual way of doing things to be self-focused and not God-glory-focused. That is ultimately what is, the, what is wrong with mankind. But listen to this. Notice he says it in this verse. He says, you used to be this way. It's in the past tense. He's talking to Christians and saying, you guys, you've been rescued from this. You are now alive. You are now plugged in. But I want you to glorify God by remembering back to what he saved you out of because in a, in a few weeks, we're gonna be talking about all the glorious things about being connected again. And we need to focus for a moment to just realize why he's such a great savior. What did we get saved from? God plugged us back in. Let's move on in the passage. It says this, we were, quote, following the course of this world. Before, when we were unplugged, we had no other option but to just do what everybody else was doing because we didn't know any better. The phrase, the world, it says we were following the course of this world. The phrase, the world, is used in the Bible to explain the part of society that is not focusing on nor connected to the Lord. It's what we would call secular society. And the course of the world is following how secular society does stuff. It's doing what everyone else is doing. We tend to compare ourselves to other people and we look and we say, well, am I better than them or am I worse than them? And that should dictate whether or not I'm a good or a bad person. But the problem is we're comparing ourselves to other unplugs. You can't, if there's no life, then what are we comparing to? Let me give you another example. A lot of people think that maybe the church is always angry at anything that's not the church or that everything in the world is bad. That is not correct. We need to clarify that from a biblical perspective and a Christian perspective, secular society is not bad per se. Just because something isn't called Christian doesn't make it bad or wrong. God is moving through all sorts of things that both have his name and don't have his name. So the clear lines that we think about sacred versus secular are not quite as clear as we think they are. They're much more fuzzy. The real problem is found in these two concepts, motivation and connection. Motivation and connection. If you're writing this down, Motivation matters. What do I mean? We all know people who are not Christians and they are way nicer than any Christians that we know. And you go, well, wait, 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 hold on. Those people are better than, hold on. 
It's not a matter of who is nicer or who is more moral. The point is why do we do what we do? The same event can be done by two different people for different motivations. Motivation matters. If our motivation of doing what is right is because God said so and we were doing it in obedience to him, that's one thing. If we are just doing it because that's how we were raised, that's another thing. Motivation matters. What was the second thing I told you? First one was motivation, second thing, connection. Connection matters. What do I mean? If true life flows from God, then an unplugged life can't give life through what they do. God can use unplugged despite them and despite us, but you can't give away what you do not have. If you are not plugged in, you cannot carry that current and that power to anyone else. It's not a matter of who's nicer or not. I'll repeat, it is not about who's more moral or not. It is who is living or not. Who's plugged in or not. Since God is the one that matters most, then his stuff matters most. So only God's stuff counts as righteousness or good stuff. That's why Christians see a difference in what the world does versus what the church does. It's not about better people, it's about God connection. But just as a side note, C.S. Lewis wrote about the idea that a lot of people would ask him and say, well, I know people that don't know Christ and they're nicer. He said, you can never judge whether or not Christianity quote unquote works by matching two different people because it all depends on where they started from. He said this, the only way to know whether or not Christianity truly transforms a man or a woman is that you take the same person before Jesus and then the same person after Jesus and see if there's movement. Because all people start at different places. If you're going to measure all people based on morality, some people are born into more moral situations and trained in morality, and other people are trained in other things other than morality. When God saves us, we move forward from that place. Then you'll know whether or not Christianity makes a difference. So please don't compare two different people. They're completely different tracks. All right, let's go back to the passage. It says this, back when we were unplugged, back when we were following what everyone else was doing that was unplugged, we were also, quote, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Who is that? Well, very simply, that is Satan. Do I really believe in a devil? Absolutely. I believe in the devil just as much as I believe in God. These are just equal reality. But here's what's interesting. There is no such thing as just doing your own thing. We get really proud about the idea here in America that we are our own people, that we don't follow anybody else. We weren't born to follow, we were born to lead, that kind of thing but there is no such thing as following yourself. Biblically speaking, in God's reality, the only one that matters, either you are on God's team or you're not. Those are the only two teams, God's team or not. There is no your team that's a third option or my team. The primary leader of the rebel team is Satan, so it always gets pitched that there's God's side and Satan's side, but that's, they're not equal superpowers. There is God, the Almighty, and then there is created beings. 
The rebel group is led by one of those created beings, that is Satan. He ends up influencing and causing a bunch of problems because he is anti anything that is life-giving, anything that God would want. So, autonomy, I'm my own person, is a myth. Human beings are not suited to be autonomous. We just can't do it, why? We require too much help to exist. We can't keep our hearts beating if they shut down. We can't keep ourselves uh, breathing. We can't have a life source within ourselves. We can't, we can't do these things. We are required, or excuse me, we require way too much help on the outside that comes from God. Therefore, we are reliant on beings greater than us. That we were built to be reliant on God all by himself, but we have supplemented him. We have supplemented him by serving another master, whether we know that or not. Now, I'm gonna say something that's a little bit extreme here, but I hope you'll hang with me because I'll make my point. There are very few intentional Satan worshipers in America. I'm just gonna be real clear about that. The church knows this. Nobody's pretending like there's this massive, massive group out there. The problem is, is that millions and millions of people are unintentional worshipers. What do I mean? Worship is giving credit to someone. Worship is being impressed by someone. Worship is duplicating what that someone else does because you wanna be like them. We are doing that all the time here on earth as we follow a godless example and bring glory to the enemy team. When we buy into materialism and we think that all our stuff is all that matters, we just did it, we worship the wrong side. When we are selfish, Satan wins. When we are hateful and racist and sexist, Satan wins. When we take advantage of other people, Satan wins. You see, that's what it means. That's, that's my whole point, because Satan's team is anti-God. So whenever we do anything that is not of God, we are empowering and worshiping and blessing the other side. That's not okay. This is what it said, Satan is the spirit who is now at work in the sons of disobedience. What does that mean? Well, at least brings up three points. Number one, Satan is a spirit. Why is that important? Because he's not a regular human being. There's things he can do that we can't do and he's not unlimited, but he is someone that can influence rather significantly. Number two, Satan works through people, just as God likes to work through people. Once again, if God wants to give someone a hug, he's gonna use a Christian to do it. If God wants to what? answer a prayer, he's probably gonna go right through a believer to do it. Well, Satan, as a spirit, wants to work through people too. He doesn't wanna do it direct all the time. He doesn't want to go out there and actively handle it. All he has to do is whisper in and we'll carry stuff out. He has to whisper things like, you're not enough, and then we do all sorts of desperate things to feel better about ourselves. All he has to do is whisper, what about comparing with that person? And suddenly we take a hit. All he has to do is whisper, don't you think you deserve more? And we'll do all sorts of crazy things. You see, the third thing it mentions is this, not following God is disobedience. There are many of us that struggle with the idea of hell being a punishment. And we say, well, what am I being punished for? I'm just not into that. No, 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 God revealed himself to all of mankind and we have chosen to ignore and do our own thing. That's the rebellion, that's the disobedience. 
That's punishment only happens when someone does something wrong. Our doing something wrong has to do with us choosing ourselves over God. Now understand this, biblically, Satan works through all kinds of people. You can work through Christians or non-Christians, but if you are not a child of God, then you're wide open game because he can just use you as a puppet. Christians, at least, we get a fighting chance because we can choose to follow our king. Hmm. Let's go to verse three. It says this, among whom, the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. What does that mean? We all started in a place of being unplugged. We all started in a rebellious place. There is no room for judgment on other people because we're all humans, we're all equal, we're all in the same boat. Some of us got rescued and plugged in because Jesus is so sweet. And we're hoping that all would have that same blessing. When it says that we were living in the flesh, it means we did what we want. We did what we thought was right. We did what was best for us. All of that is feeding into something other than what's best in God's opinion. You see, before we're plugged in, we don't have the option to have life flow through us. Sin is our only option. That's why Jesus said, I want to free you from that bondage and I want you to be free to live and be who you were built to be. It's why we need a savior so badly. But we need to have grace and understanding for one another and we don't need to be finger pointing because we're all in the same boat in needing a savior. At the foot of the cross, we're all the same. All right, let's start to land this plane. It says, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were, by our human nature, just like everybody else, unplugged. Christians don't ever get cocky. Christians don't ever get prideful. You and I are only saved because of the kindness and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. It is not because we did anything better than anybody else. So we must always have an attitude of humility, always praising God because of his grace, because of his mercy. We always give all the glory back to him because he's the one that did it all. Before, when we were unplugged, we were all children of wrath. What does wrath mean? Wrath is a judgment power of God that comes against that which is wicked. God can't just let bad things exist. So either Jesus needs to take care of the bad stuff or the bad stuff's got to get taken out to the trash. So when it comes to people, either we're loaded up with bad stuff and we either let Jesus take it out or we get taken out. Does that make sense? See, God wants, and he sent his son because he loves us so much. God wants all of us to be saved. He said, it is God's will that none shall perish, but all have eternal life. What God wants is to let Jesus Christ die for our sins, purify ourselves so that we might be connected with him. He wants to plug us back into the life-giving source that is him. That's what God wants. I'll finish with this. The reason that we need a savior, sometimes we gotta settle down and realize why Easter is such a big deal. We just celebrated it and it was a huge deal. Why? Because the crucifixion was a big deal. Jesus died for our sins and took care of our unplugged problem. 
The resurrection, Easter, rising from the dead is a big deal because he's alive forever and we get to be with him. We can't celebrate that joy until we understand that the bad news got turned into good news. The rescue of the cross is life-changing. My prayer is that every single one of us would be changed by it. And once we realize the depth that Jesus Christ saved us from, then the whole idea of worshiping God becomes easy. Every day you're walking around thankful. Every day is a life of gratitude. Every moment you're saying, God, I didn't deserve any of this. I am so thankful that you did for me what I couldn't do for myself. Praise to you. When the songs come up in church time, it's easy to sing that God is good when we recognize that we have been rescued. Y'all, I love you, and I'm so thankful that we get to be together as a family. I hope this began to bring awareness, insight, and I hope that your heart is more thankful than ever. If you have yet to trust in Jesus Christ and let him cleanse you, today is your day. I ask you with everything in my heart, would you let God cleanse you and plug you in? You were built for so much more. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you next time.